Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 26th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are at page 50, last paragraph on the page. Today's readers are Kim, Sarah, Monica, Paula, and Sharon. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will ask Lois to read the 12 steps. Lois, could you press star one to unmute? Uh, sorry, this is Lois, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Grateful to be here this morning. Uh, the, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and, and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to, excuse me, to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to, to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to, make, to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and for the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Susan to read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Susan, grateful, compulsive over you. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. 
two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in a group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should have be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, every reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Susan. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 50, the last paragraph on the page. And I will ask Kim to begin reading, please. Thanks, Christy. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there have been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they make a heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them, 
When many hundreds of people are able to say that the, that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why they should have faith. And good morning, everyone. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So much information, so much incredible um, gifts in this paragraph, but I'm going to concentrate on one paragraph because I'm a real big book nerd, and I love when Bill kind of throws in the whole entire 12-step process like in a paragraph or in a sentence. And this is, he does it again. It says, they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, which is step two, to take a certain attitude toward that power, which is making that decision, step three, and to do certain simple things, which is the inventory process, four through nine, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking, which is steps 10 through 12. So once again, we're reminded it's walking through these steps that's going to give us that psychic change, which is going to give us that, that um, spiritual awakening. So we have come to believe in a power greater than ourselves. You know, one of the things that I was told to do is I had to write a letter of resignation as supreme ruler of the universe. I had to accept that my way wasn't working. I was defeated. The food had me bloody. And because the food had me bloody and beaten, I was open up to a power greater than myself. Then I had to take a certain attitude toward that power. And my attitude had always been, you know, God, do what I want and I will be happy. You know, God, if you get me out of this one, then I'll change. That was my whole attitude. And to do certain simple things. Now, it's not saying to read the steps. It's not saying to reflect the steps. It's not saying to argue about the steps. It's saying to do these certain simple things, to do the steps. Then there was a revolutionary change in the way of living and thinking. So it wasn't that I was going to come to a meeting and then I was just going to love you, you love me, and that's it. I had to go out into the world, into my family, into my workplace, with my fellows, and I had to have this way of living. It's a design for living. I don't have the option to work this program the hour I'm in a vision for you and go out the other 23 hours and wreak havoc on the world. I have to apply these principles in all my affairs. But the rewards are absolutely incredible when we walk through this process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hi, my name is Susan, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Vermont. I'd like Go to ahead, share Susan. Morning, Christine. Thank you. Sure. I, I concentrated, there is still very much, but I concentrated on leaving aside the drink question. Um, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. And that is actually what my problem is. My problem was living living life on life's terms. I, I used the food to medicate, but I, that was that's my problem. The spiritual malady is my problem. And so when I concentrate on the spiritual solution, which they talk about, they say in the next line, change. Change came over them. What was that change? Well, they developed a relationship with the presence of, in the, with God. Um, they say the most important fact of their lives uh, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. God is the most important thing in their life, and that is what happened for me. I put down, I was separated from food by God. Um, I started living these principles. I started having principles. Um, I started living the steps, and 
I be, I had a relationship with God, a working relationship in which each day I start with step one and admit my powerlessness and two, come to believe and three, turn my life and my will over to God. Ask him what he would have me do today, not life, the unsatisfactory life, the life on, on uh, living uh, the world according to Susan, but life on God's terms. And then the food becomes um, secondary to, once the food's down, it becomes secondary to what would God have me do. If I give God my life in the third step, then I know that he does not want me to be returned to compulsive overeating. So I love that uh, putting down, leaving aside the question of, of food. Why was my life unsatisfactory? Because I had no plan for living. And today I do. It is in the 12 steps, the traditions and concepts of this book. And I am very grateful for that, and I know that that's where I must turn in all my uneasiness and unrest is back to the supreme being. Thank you so much for letting me share today. Thank you, Susan. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Well, the very last sentence of the paragraph before, where we ended yesterday, let's look at the record. They said, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. You know, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. So the fact that they came from the same place that I did did not stop them from finding this God of their understanding. It did not stop them from getting this spiritual solution and having it work in their lives. You know, and these people, these thousands of men and women who had recovered could flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves and take that certain attitude and take those certain actions, that a revolutionary change, not just a little change, but a revolutionary change would happen in their way of living and their way of thinking. You know, and you have taught me here by studying this big book that it was my thinking that made me suffer, that it was the obsession of my mind that I had no control over. Yes, there was the allergy of the body, this twofold disease, but it was the obsession of the mind that was the greater aspect of the disease because it kept me prisoner. And that is what I needed. I needed a transformation in my thinking, which would result in a whole new personality for me. You know, and it was only in the face of collapse and despair that I could find that. It was only when my human ego stretched to the absolute max was able to say, God, help me. Whatever you are, whoever you are, if there is a God, help me. And then when I took the action that you had suggested, that you had shown, worked for you, I could get the same results. You know, I could get the same results. But I had to wholeheartedly do it. I had to have no reservations of any kind. I had to dive in and work the steps as if my life depended on it. 
and I would get what you got. And you showed me, and the stories in the back of the book showed me, how that change came over them. And did I want that? How could I not want that? It was so different from the place of misery and despair that I was living in, that I would grab hold and do what you did and get what you got. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I just, I mean, what a rich paragraph, once again, in the big book. And uh, the part that jumped out for me is that there, uh, in the first part of that paragraph, where it says there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. And I had an experience the other day. I mean, I had a couple of experiences I'll share with you, you know, not as a way to pat myself on the back, but as a way to, um, you know, let you know that the spiritual awakening, that, is, that a revolutionary change in, in my way of thinking, of living and thinking, has happened. And how has that happened for someone like me? How has that happened for someone like me who couldn't think beyond the box of donuts, who couldn't think about beyond the cellophane bag, who couldn't think beyond, you know, what I was going to eat next or not eat next? You know, that's, that's the extent of my kind of thinking. And there's a great description in, the, um, in Step 12 and the 12 and 12 I'll just give you a reference for, which is on page 106 at the bottom, and it describes what the spiritual awakening is, which is really what this paragraph is telling us, the revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. So, you know, what that means is that I can sit in a meeting today with a colleague who you know, I get to practice patience with. You know, I get to practice patience with her. And as she's talking, I'm not formulating how I'm going to interrupt her and say what important things I have to say. That I can let her finish speaking today and sit there patiently and, and then I can speak. You know, that's a, that's a revolutionary change. That's a revolutionary change for me in my way of living and thinking. That I, can, that I can be tolerant and patient and kind and loving toward people at work that maybe do things differently than I do. You know, and the other experience I had, I was on my way home from work the other day, and, you know, it, you know a, a car... Two cars ahead of me, I, you know, it was raining and the, it just started raining. The roads were really slick and I was, you know, on the um, on-ramp to a freeway and, you know, the car two car lengths ahead of me, or two cars ahead of me, I should say, I'm sorry, um, spun out of control, you know, and we could all see this. Those of us who were behind her could see what was happening, see that she started to fishtail, see that she was hydroplaning, and we all slept down and she spun out of control and ran off the road and the car that was directly behind her sped off and I stopped and the person behind me stopped and you know she was fine the woman was fine and she was so grateful that you know we stopped I you know I stayed behind I called 911 I mean I did some different things to help her out and and that was a natural thing for me to do and I just want you to know you know I'm not telling you this to pat myself on the back I'm telling you this because if it wasn't for recovery I would have sped off I would have sped off I would have said she shouldn't have been driving so fast it's her fault I would have sped off and I would have sped my way to the you know pizza place that's on the corner on my way home. I mean, that's how I lived my life before. You know, in judgment of other people, 
Um, you know, I just, you know, she thanked me profusely. And again, as I reflected on this in a call with someone else, you know, I didn't blame her for running off the road. And I didn't say, I can't believe she made me stop. I mean, I didn't say anything like that. I just said, you know what I would have done before if I were in the food? This is what I would have done. I wouldn't have stopped. I wouldn't have given her the time of day. I would have said, ah, someone else will stop. Because that's how I thought. And that's how I lived my life before recovery. That's how I lived my life. I was selfish, self-centered, you know, self-absorbed. Um, all I thought about was food. That's it. I didn't think about other people. And I'm just so grateful that I don't have to live that way today. And then I don't have to tell the woman that I work with how great I am because I, I pause and I let her go ahead and talk. I tell you people about that sort of thing. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for the way my life has been transformed. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? Uh, this my is name is Rick, and I'm a food addict. Oh, I heard lots of people. How exciting. Um, I did hear Rick. Rick, why don't you go ahead and then we'll find out who else wants to speak after. I'd just like to comment on four simple words uh, from the paragraph. Uh, And those words are do certain simple things. Um, I've been in the fellowship since uh, 78. Um, But hanging on to X, I mean, I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, certain foods I haven't had in ages. But hanging on to excess weight without going into details, um, I had a big medical scare. Uh, Dr. Johnson said there's nothing like the prospects of a hanging to concentrate one's mind. This certainly got my attention. Um, Do certain simple things. I've recommitted to daily meetings. I call my sponsor every day, and I don't bitch when I get his his answering machine. I'm grateful for his answering machine. Um, I... uh, been making commitments and writing down what my food is in the morning um, and really asking for no deviations and, you know, to really be squeaky clean on that. And the other thing which has come very clear to me is that it's daily commitments and that what I should be doing on certain simple things is for today. And if it's tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, that's beyond, my, you know, that's beyond my pay grade. I'm just on for today. I start the day off with a step 11, and I've also made a commitment um, to, do, uh, to do step 10 at the end of the day uh, before I go to bed. And I've seen a lot of improvement. I have you know, a long way to go, but I've seen a lot of improvement. And so those words really popped out at me, you know, doing certain simple things. Um, and... Uh, it starts to click again. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois. This would be Paula. All right. Lois, go ahead, and then Paula, um, and then we'll catch the other folks after that. Go ahead, Lois. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, Happy to be here. Um, I wanted to talk about where they say they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a profound revolutionary change. And, you know, this, this is such a, um, a paragraph of hope and promise. 
in this in this on this page you know that they offering to us and um what i what I wanted to comment on as well was the actions you know when I was gasping and trying to get into the boat you know and trying to i i couldn't figure out what actions I could take you know, and I had to have um you know uh compulsive overeating keep hitting me over the head before I would be willing you know to to take these certain simple steps you know to take the action and to be to take a certain attitude towards my higher power and and that was something that you know that made such a simple difference where I was able to 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 move from step 2 to step 3 and God could you know remove my desire to keep compulsively that when I became willing to just say okay God I don't know this I don't know how to do this you do and it took so much beating down that when I read this and I, I remember and I go back at my you know I'm such I'm so full of gratitude that you know this this paragraph in this book all leads us to to you know such a hope and promise that we too can also become recovered and I want just before I hang up I just wanted to share um certain thing I used to hear in in the halls they used to say I came I came to and I came to believe and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you, Lois. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, this would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And I'm going to scoop right down to the last sentence. And it says, When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith now I'm going to go back again. Hundreds of people are able to say, but more than say, you see, that the consciousness, that's the awareness, to be aware of the presence of God and the power that he is willing to give you is today the most important fact. That's it. That's it. That's where the transformation is. That's where that revolutionary change is. What is the living, the thinking? What do you do when you live? You see, you hear, you touch. Yes, you do it different when you do it with God. You see, you touch, you hear. You react differently. Everything changes. There is no reacting. There is responding. It says that's the most important. Now, they didn't even say, well, well, this is, this is, even a couple of paragraphs before it says, besides drinking, okay, put that aside. This is it. They present, and what do they present when you see this? When you see a life transformed, and you knew that life. You saw that life lived. And what when it's your own life, your own life, can this be me, that I'm not saying a word, I love the examples that were set today. I'm not saying anything. I'm allowing the other to say, they're the transformation. And it says, they present a powerful reason that they do why one should have faith. And I thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And I heard a couple of other folks jump in. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered 
compulsive overeater, yes, indeed, a very rich paragraph. I just want to touch on a couple points here. It says, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them, meaning that, you know, for these uh, men and women, these alcoholics, uh, it was the calamity, you know, the utter defeat, the, the, the uh, you know, the throwing in of the towel in the face of collapse and despair, you know, step one. You know, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable, meaning I cannot do this in the, anymore. <laughs> in the face of the total failure of their human resource, nothing I can put together, not my intellect, not my motivation, not my determination, not goals, not vows, not promises, not swearing it off, nothing, nothing, nothing can save me from me. I can't save me from me. You know, I've had enough. It's that surrender. It's laying down the ego and crying out for help. You know, it goes on to say here, um, you know, once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. I mean, that's the bottom line here. These men and women had more than a drinking problem. They had a living problem. You know, you and I, we had a rough time living. We didn't have a rough time compulsive overeating. We knew how to do that very, very well. We experts in the field of compulsive overeating. What we didn't know was how, how in the world do you live in our house, go to our jobs, interact with people around us and 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 not have to binge our brains out you know during the process how do you do that how do you how do you live life with your husband and with your wife and with your children and with your boss and with your neighbor and not have to continually dig your fist into a cellophane bag to stand it that that's that's the bottom line here. And then of course it goes on to say when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. The consciousness of the presence of God, and that's a lesson to us. You know, because here are more than a hundred people who wrote this, who penned these pages out of their experience and their wisdom, who all agreed that the most important, the most important thing in their lives was the consciousness of the presence of God. See, sobriety was just taken for granted. You know, when we go back into the doctor's opinion, of course you have to put the plug in the jug. Of course you and I have to be abstinent before we embark on this program of recovery. That's a no-brainer. You have to be sober. You have to be abstinent. But more than that, you have to have found God, your own sense of God, your own comprehension of God. Important for all of OA to understand that. You know, the the... the the end goal is not abstinence. The end goal is a relationship which is indestructible and immeasurable that we each can have in our lives. And it's through this relationship that we are transformed. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? I 
I'll take that as a no. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Sarah, would you please read, um, starting on page 51. Yes, good morning. This is Sarah, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, Christy. Good morning. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet, in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought around Earth preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. We asked ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hawk. Had not all efforts at flight failed before? Did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story, and airplane travel was in full swing. I'm going to pass for now. Thank you. Would Would anyone like to share on what was read? This is Paula Manchia. Sure, Paula, go ahead. I'm just going to take that and I'm going to scoot right on down to the end of the second paragraph. And I'm going to take those words, full swing. And that was it. Our life took a full swing. From a life of me, 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 and I, 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 I knew no other way. A full swing to that sentence in the big book which says, here we learn to love, as it was said, to love one another as ourselves. It began with loving myself and then loving others. And here it is, that full swing from a life of uselessness to being a life, no, no, not being useful, maximum usefulness. To be the page of any 89, to be helpful was our only aim. That was never my aim in life, honey. I wasn't there to help. And they're a full swing. I know where they're using it in that frame, but yet I use it in our lives that have been touched. And yes, indeed, a full swing, a transformation. And thank you for allowing me to share yet again. And thank you, and I will pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Good morning. This is Margaret, South Jersey. Um, I heard someone from South Jersey. Why don't you go ahead, and then Janice, you go after that. Good, thank you. This is um, Margaret Recovered uh, from South Jersey. Good morning. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for you. Um, I wanted to pick up on this sentence. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered. Uh, that word fettered by superstitions, traditions, and all sorts of fixed ideas. The word fettered and fixed ideas. It just, um, it just makes me realize uh, what fettered means to me, particularly, and fixed ideas is trapped. 
you know, and um, you know, certainly I was trapped in my own fixed ideas, and evidently Bill was trapped in his fixed ideas because on, um, you know, on page 13 where he talks, begins to uh, talk about how his ideas were changed, you know, and um, these ideas as our, uh, you know, our thinking, they get so fixed and, um, you know, so trapped into them, and and that's you know what happened to me, and as well as to many of us, and and then uh, you know going over to what Paula just just said, it does take that full swing. You know, that's a that's a really good visual uh, because you know from being trapped. I mean, really, that's where Bill was when Epi came to him. He was trapped, and then as his ideas became, you know, he became to he began to shift on his ideas because he saw somebody in front of him who had recovered. You know, then he began to be able to put new ideas until eventually, you know, certainly he did have that full swing and which we can have it too because we have people that have walked before us also. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Yes, those fixed ideas were, was I not just as biased and unreasonable? Was I not just as biased and unreasonable when it came to thinking about the realm of the spirit? You know, in my self-sufficiency, in the disease of compulsive overeating, I had some pretty fixed ideas. I, I had some pretty biased and unreasonable views about the realm of the spirit. Thank you very much. I am going to do this myself is what I kept coming up with again and again and again. Even though it didn't work, even though despite obvious harm to myself, I kept going with those old fixed ideas, with that old biased way of looking at things. Unreasonable, my mind would snap shut if you tried to talk to me about the realm of the spirit. But what finally got me to that place that Bill's talking about here was not that one day I just decided, hmm, I'm going to change my mind. It was the disease that beat me into a state of reasonableness. It was the despair and the misery of living the way I was living that finally got me to a place where I could open my eyes become honest, open-minded, and willing to believe because I couldn't stand to live that way one more minute. I couldn't live in this body and mind of mine any longer. And that's what I believe it takes, whatever that bottom is for you, that makes you face those all fixed ideas, that all biased and unreasonable way of looking at things, and cracks your mind open. That's what happened for me. You know, and then before me was someone in whom the problem had been solved who said, here are some suggestions. Here is what works for me. And I was willing to try it because what else did I have? Did I know it was going to work for me? No, I did not. But I could see that those new ways of thinking were awfully attractive. Attraction, not promotion. They were awfully attractive to me made me willing to grab hold. So I think Bill is describing so beautifully that all of us as humans, 
our in our also human thinking might be stuck in that place. But it's not the end. It can be only the beginning. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph or a couple of paragraphs? Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Um, again, you know, we agnostics, it's trying to help us out here, you know, to cast aside some old ideas, to cast aside some fixed ideas. Um, and it starts to talk about here some of the creativity and some of the inventions that occurred it, that came from willingness to try something different. You know, they give an example of Columbus here. They're giving an example example of Kitty Hawk. It all comes from a willingness to change one's beliefs, which leads to being able to do things that were once thought impossible, which is exactly what, you know, what the process is. We can't stop compulsively overeating on our own, left to our own devices. We think of picking up the first bite is a great idea. But, you know, if we have a willingness to change our belief, willingness to change that belief, we can do things that we once thought were impossible. You know, if you're willing to try something different, maybe it will work. That's what this is saying to the agnostic. It's saying, try it. It can't hurt. And it's giving the example of Kitty Hawk. It says here at the bottom of the page, was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Yeah, you know, in the uh, late 1800s, there was a symposium of, of, of scientists who said it was impossible to create a flying machine. It's impossible. There is no such thing. Nothing of its own power can fly. Well, if the Wright brothers had believed that, then we would, they would never have been able to develop the airplane. And so what the big book is pointing out here is that it's the Wright brothers' willingness to open their mind and a willingness to believe something different. They started from that idea that perhaps it's possible, you know, that maybe, maybe something heavier than air can fly on its own power. And how can we create that? You know, so it was their open-mindedness that allowed us today to be able to fly around, you know, through aircraft. And, and it's that open-mindedness that will allow a higher power to rescue you from that quicksand. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move to the next paragraph? Hi, this is Eileen. May I share? Sure, Eileen. Go ahead. Hi, this is Eileen, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Hi, everybody. Um, what struck me in the previous paragraph was the statement that said, some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. I've, I've always gone through life saying that if, if somebody couldn't prove it to me in black and white, if I, I couldn't accept that something was real unless I was totally convinced and I could see it right in front of me beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I was one of those people that didn't believe the earth was round, even as a, an adult living in this world, um, the men went to the moon and they took pictures of the earth and then I thought maybe there's a possibility that, that the earth is round once that space program got going. 
And then I didn't believe it when they came out and said the whole thing was staged. There was a whole movie about how the whole thing was staged. So then I was skeptical again. And that's kind of the story of how my relationship has been with my higher power. Until I could put my fingers on it and prove it, I didn't believe it. Well, I still can't put my fingers on it and prove it. But through working this program and listening to all of you, I had to open up my mind and say, well, maybe it's possible. Look what these people have. There's got to be something to this. And sure enough, I put my faith in this, and my higher power has been there for me. I can't put my hands around him. I can't touch it. I can't take a picture of it. But, boy, is it there in my life. And I I just am very grateful to have been open-minded and to be letting this program work for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Eileen. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? All right, let's move on. Uh, Monica, would you please read the next paragraph for us? Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. But in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoresman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I bet they do it, and maybe not so long either. Is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard all ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something new which does? And this whole chapter here, we agnostics, The whole idea behind here is to try, like has been being said over and over again, to get us to be willing to throw out our old ideas and try something different. You know, are we willing to do something different and change our thinking? Now, Monica's way certainly did not work. But when I tried this, And when I took the actions and worked through this process, wow. And like those there, I can say, yes, there is a power greater than me. Yes, there is a God. Yes, today is the most important thing in my life. But I wasn't there when I began. And so this chapter is just trying to say, give us a lot of hope and say, yes, those of us who have been through this, This is what we can say to you. We're giving you a lot of hope. And all it takes is a willingness to set aside some of your ideas that have not been working and try something different. And like they're saying here, uh, aren't we in a day and age where, you know, if something doesn't work, we throw it away and we get a new gadget. You know, we think nothing at all of doing that today. You know, we're the disposable society. Well, that little gadget didn't work. Well, here's another one. I'll try this one. And it's no big deal. Okay, this sounds like a better idea. I'll try this one. Why can't we do that with this? Be willing to throw away some old ideas and try something different. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. 
I love that Bill is such a wonderful student of human nature, and he knows us inside and out because being an alcoholic himself who recovered, he's able to look at that and, and join those other 100 recovered alcoholics in the writing of this book. And what did they know? Well, as humans, there is a part of us, and it's been proven over the centuries that we have an ability to change our mind. And he's showing us that here, that old ideas can be discarded for new ideas. That throughout history, the human creature has been able to do that over and over again. So why not us? Why not us? When faced with evidence, clear-cut evidence, that recovery is possible because here are people in whom the problem had been solved with a great message to carry a great message to carry, and they can say, by our own experience, this happened to us, that we were like you, fearful, stuck in our old fixed ideas, prisoner of, a, of an obsessive compulsive disorder of eating and thinking, and yet we recovered. And here is how we did it, that our minds were cracked open and came to believe in a power greater than ourselves because we needed that power. And so once again, human creatures have that ability. You and I have that ability. It is deep within us, that idea of God. It just needs to be brought to the surface once again. We've covered it up by our old fixed ideas. But here it is. And he says it's possible. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Linda from Connecticut. May I share? Sure, Linda, go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here. Um, When I came in, I was an atheist. I didn't want to be, but I was. It wasn't polite like an agnostic. I just thought it was nonsense and um, resisted everything. But I was so frightened that... the My life was so shattered, I was willing to try. And I only had to do it one day at a time. And I I could do it with someone in whom the problem had been solved. So it made it much easier for this very paralyzed person, emotionally paralyzed by fear and confusion, and uh, before I put the food down, food itself, um... It made it possible for me to walk through these steps a day at a time. A person, this person anyway, didn't jump into it like I'll leap into the lifeboat. I was just too scared not to. And I could have left at any time. It's not a marriage, you know. I don't have to get a divorce. I can walk out the door. All you have to do is try and see if it works. And to me, it's utterly amazing and fabulous that I have a relationship with God and I understand God in many ways. Not the total picture, but wow, very dramatic and sort of in between stuff and tiny stuff. It's an amazing journey. And I have a life second to none. I say that even with problems, that's true. I'm not crazy anymore. And by that, I mean self-destructive with food or in my thinking. 
and I have to use the system. I have to use the steps. I have to lean heavily into this relationship with God, and I go along and I grow. What's better than not being self-destructive and half-dead? I mean, it's fabulous. This is a fabulous program. You can leave anytime you want if you don't like it. Thanks. I, I pass. Thank you, Linda. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, the last part of uh, the paragraph there um, is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new. This reminds me of a couple of things for me. Um, You know, and, and literally, you know, decades ago, I worked for what was then the phone company. And I remember our vice president standing up in front of us in a meeting and he held up a credit card and he said one day one day people are going to have phones that are going to be the size of a credit card and they're going to be able to carry them around they're going to carry them around and have a phone number that will you know they'll be able to take with them wherever they go wherever they travel they'll have a phone that's going to be this size and i thought that was the coolest thing i had ever heard i was i was totally 100 percent on board with that i thought that was just that was awesome. I believed everything the vice president of this company said. And today, that's true. That's very true. Little kids walk around with phones the size of credit cards anywhere, everywhere. And, um, you know, but, but tell me, uh, you know, that there's potentially a higher power out there that could restore me to sanity. That was the craziest thing I'd ever heard of. That was crazy talk. So, you know, for someone like me, you know, I'll believe what I want to believe and I'll discard other things that I just, you know, that I want to believe. And, um, you know, I too got to the point where I was desperate enough, I was desperate enough not to believe in a phone that was the size of a credit card, but to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I had to first believe that I needed to be restored to sanity. That's what I first had to come to. And that's what my disease did for me. My disease did its job for me. I admitted that I was powerless over food and that my life, if nowhere else in my life, at least with respect to food, was completely unmanageable. You got me there. You got me there. So, you know, you know, like I've heard others say, it was that desperation that said, okay, what do I need to do? I need to believe in a power greater than myself and it can be anything. All right, great. I'm, you know, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that because I can't live one more minute the way I have been living. The way I have been living is getting me a life of misery and despair and bewilderment. And I can't stand it, not for one more minute. Give me something, anything else. I'm no longer going to wave as the lifeboat goes by and I'm drowning. I'm not going to say, no, thanks, I'll wait for a better lifeboat. I don't like the color. Nah, I don't think so. It looks a little crowded in there. Oh, there's only one of you? I don't think so. No, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. Help me. Help me. Help me. And once I got to that point, then my mind was cracked open just enough to believe in anything other than me. And that was all I needed. That was all I needed. And with that, I will pass. Um, And with that, I will uh, close the meeting. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, are you available to read a vision for you? I am. This would be Paula. (laughs) Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.